Hi, everyone. This is Jordan, the owner and CEO of Greaser Consulting. On this episode, I talked to uh, who we call Frank the Tank. Uh, he is originally from France, has lived all over the world. I first met him working at a company called Forto in Berlin, Germany. And the topic of today is just about U.S. market versus that European market, some of the cultural nuances. You know, where, where do these European countries really look to for sales guidance, technology stacks? What's the adoption curves look like? Um, you know, I, I used to be a trainer that went all around the world training, you know, outreach, different softwares for, for different clients. And there were certainly cultural nuances when I would go in and speak and also different appetites to receive some type of technology, some hesitations to not receive some technology. And so bringing Frank on to have this conversation, uh, at least for me, it was just a, a ton of fun diving into some of those nuances and thinking about a world that goes beyond those U.S. borders. So uh, lean in, enjoy, and here we go. Say you want some clarity in sales and marketing and SEP. Well, we have just the remedy, our podcast, DevOps Therapy. Hi, everyone. This is Jordan, and I've got my friend Francois with me today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, Jordan. Thanks so much for, for having me. Um, yeah, Francois, or everyone calls me Frank, as you know. Um, currently working as VP Growth at Consensio um, and was working before in a Skylab called Forto in the uh, digital freight forwarding uh, market, uh, which is how I, how I know you and how I get to appreciate your work and your team um, and had uh, you know, a, lot of, a lot of fun, uh, but also you know, great uh, advances in, in our uh, RevOps uh, setups, setup and uh, love to, to learn from you and, and your team. Uh, and thanks so much, so much for, for having me here on, on the podcast. Oh, um, certainly glad to have you today. Could you could you tell me real quick? I know you mentioned Forto and, and where you're at now, but in terms of just locations, where all since you've been in your career, what all locations have you worked from? Because I know when I first talked to you, you were somewhere in Germany. Now you're you're speaking French, but then you here. Turns out you're in Spain speaking Spanish. So like, where where all have you been? Yeah, I'm sure it's a, it's a little confusing when you're when you're speaking for the US. But um, so right now I'm in uh, Barcelona, uh, sunny Barcelona, uh, where I moved to uh, around seven months ago. Uh, before that, I was uh, working in, in Berlin for four years, and before that, I've basically since I'm 14 years old, I've been uh, moving around uh, Singapore, Milan, uh, London, Paris. Um, worked in most of these places, internships or otherwise. Um, and yeah, now now here in Barcelona. So there's a there's a this is a terrible joke, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, so, what do you call somebody that can speak three languages? <laughs> tell me. See if you can get this. What do you call trilingual? What do you call somebody who speaks two languages? Bilingual. Bilingual. You got it. What do you call someone who speaks one language? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> An American. 
<laughs> I said, in America. I like that joke. <laughs> yeah, I got a one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you you were saying it's a little little confusing for the American over here that you're you know you're living five different continents, you know who knows different languages running around. Which, I mean, that really brings us to the topic of today, anyway. Uh, you know, the American ecosystem. You know, we have East Coast, we have West Coast, we have some different cultural differences along the way. Um, but you know. You can drive hundreds and hundreds of miles, and you, you know, in your language, we're going to say kilometers, right? And you know, you're, you're speaking English, you're in a similar environment, similar place. And then we got a guy like you who's lived all over the world. In some kind, some places, I mean, you hop on a train for two hours, and you're in a different culture, different language, different, you know, just a totally different way of doing things. And so, our topic today is just thinking about you know, some of the sort of international differences as you go across borders and, and who knows where we'll end up today. But that's that's kind of the theme. So is, is your stop at Forto, was that your first experience in SaaS? Was that your first tech company that you got into when you were, wh- where were you in Germany again? Which, which city are they based in? in? In the capital, Berlin. Berlin. And is that your first, was that your first SaaS company? Um, actually, no. Or if we talk, if we talk like tech startup, um, I I started off my, my journey in a company called Foodora. Um, they are um, food delivery um, service, and that's how I did my stepping stone. That was in Paris, so I basically opened um, the the Paris branch um, back in 2015. Um, as I knew the, the founders, they were based in Germany. Um, and that was my my stepping stone into uh, the, the world of startup uh, tech. Um, yeah, yeah. And I started there's an okay, uh, so basically as you, as an SDR. You started. Yeah. Okay, you, you started as an SDR in France, and then you transitioned to an SDR manager, and then different things in in Berlin. And as you think about that, were there like massive changes or differences between those two countries and the way that you think about SDR, the way you think about reaching out? Or is, is Europe a little bit like a monolith in the sense of how the U.S. is kind of a monolith, right? Everyone's kind of doing the same thing. Or are there some like deep differences? Well, I would say there's massive differences, especially for, for my personal experience. So, so I do speak... Um, uh, both languages, French and German. Um, and uh, when I was starting as an SDR, it was more of a, let's say, field SDR. So we're basically uh, going out into into restaurants to acquire them back then. I mean, this this was the days where mm. there was basically nothing, not even a site and so on, basically starting from, from zero and trying to to get some, some signed contracts with the restaurant owners. Um, sorry about the background. Um, and, um, well... I had massive difficulties uh, to um, to be successful there, mostly for a reason of we didn't get proper training. People just told us, you know, get a god there and try to sign up a couple of contracts and <laughs> then see what you do. And people that, let's say, were locals that um, had done sales in France before or had, had some training before, they did really well. And I, who didn't, and that was basically my first job, uh, I failed terribly. So I would say from an aspect of um, if you want to be successful as an SDR, um, 
if you don't get proper training, proper process, um, a good, let's say, leadership that um, helps you to be successful and gives you the right enablement, uh, you will fail <laughs> no matter if you're in France, in Berlin, or I guess in the US. So that um, changed completely when I when I joined uh, Forto. Uh, back then I had a, a great leader, uh, Matthias Salomon, who I'm still in contact with and who is a clo close mentor and, and friend. Um, and he basically uh, took all of the frameworks and best practices from the from the valley or from from the US, um, and um, invested a lot in coaching, training, the right tools. He got outreach right away, <laughs> and uh, Salesforce and the right, let's say, type of tool set, uh, training set, and everything that was needed for us to be successful and for me to be successful, uh, and which was then the basis um, for me to be able to, to, to first succeed. Uh, as an SDR, and then uh, move on as a SDR uh, leader, SDR manager, uh, and then as a head uh, at the end. So I hope I hope that what I, hope I that, think that is interesting about uh, what you just said. Question, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what's interesting about what you're saying though is that you had this leader that went and got sort of best of breed of of US, and then brought that training you know over to Berlin. The the reason I say that is, I mean, I've done I've done trainings across Europe multiple times in the in the UK what to French speaking audiences German speaking audiences um, and one of the things that's really interesting that I found is when I walk into like a US based place I can kind of say hey look here's the way you do it okay and and eh, there might be some pushback and some people that fight you a little bit mm -hmm. but in general there's this like okay this is how you operate let's go do it now, if I go and I speak to a German or heaven forbid some, somebody from France and I say, listen, <laughs> here's how you do it. The first thing they're going to say is this dumb American doesn't know how to listen to anything. He doesn't understand the culture. He doesn't know how it works over here. So I'm a little surprised to hear you say um, that they took from the U.S. and just like sort of packaged it over like. In that German mm. market, did you have to do a little bit of fancy maneuvering to like I found you typically need more of a consultative approach with the people that are there to get them to buy in. Or am I way off on this and I, I really am just a dumb American? <laughs> no comment. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I, think it's, it's... <laughs> I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, um, you know, I kid. Um, I think it's a bit more complex than, than we how you just portrayed it. I think there's definitely, you know, that uh, cultural um, um, point of, of, hey, you know, knowing, um, I mean, of course, Germans have, have a certain way of, of operating. Then again, the same uh, human or characteristics um, uh, topic um, applies. I mean, people have per different personalities, uh, people have different traits, uh, all these models that you know about, uh, like personality traits and so on, these are the same in Germany as, as in the US, but you'll have a different spectrum, right? So you'll, you'll probably have more people that are um, that have a certain personality trait, uh, that know a certain way of operating um, than others, so that the distribution will be totally different. And then if you go across the, the border, as you said, two, two hours or not even, and you go to Poland on the on the one hand or to France on the other hand, that that um, that scala or the, the spectrum of uh, personalities, again, will be completely different. And another aspect is super important is language. Um, and um, if you 
if you, for example, if you were to speak French as a German, um, but you'll have an accent, you, you might not get the slang right, uh, all these kind of, or the, the, the cultural nuances, um, you'll struggle a lot. Um, but if you, if you, if you're native, then you'll, you know, you'll just because of that do, you will do much better. Um, so th there's that. Um, but again, that, that personality kind of spectrum, you, you'll find a lot of people that um, have a specific kind of way of operating and way of being in France and a completely different spectrum in the US or in Germany and then again in the US. So I think that makes it more complex. But another layer of the complexity is, of course, also the industry. So um, if, if you're talking like we were we work in the, in the logistics industry, now I'm in, I'm in the agriculture and retail um, space, both spaces that are um, <laughs> pretty, let's say, um, well, they have some some way to catch up, some some um, uh, place to catch up. Uh, thinking a bit old school, uh, really old family businesses um, handing over from generation to generation, uh, and therefore there's that complexity as well. Like, how do you talk to that sort of um, uh, customers and businesses? Um, and this is where. I want to get back to, you know, why things were working so well with us implementing best practices and frameworks from, from, the, from the U.S. And, and again, there we were looking at uh, winning by design. We're, we're working with outreach, with Salesforce, all the, I mean, th this was five or six years ago. Nowadays, if you go to, to a German company, a, a startup, it's probably the standard tool. But um, back then, it was, it was pretty exceptional. I, th I think we were one of the only customers uh, in Germany uh, for outreach. Um, and... And so I think that because we're selling into a very old school um, industry and we do the same now uh, in my, my new company in Consensio, um, all those tools, the automation tools, the prospection tools like Lucia or uh, DuckSoup, um, all of these, you know, very hacky uh, sort of uh, tools, um, they are way too advanced or they're very advanced uh, compared to what people are used to and how they used to work. So that's why... It works so well because in using the tool set, the, the processes, um, the, the philosophies um, of, of, of the U.S. and of the Valley um, is so ahead um, here in, 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 in the, let's say, in, this, in different industries or in our industries that the combination of, hey, you hire people that speak the language, understand the nuances and use the tool sets and philosophy of the U.S., that's why it's so powerful. Sorry for the long, uh, the long answer, but I felt that they needed a bit of time. No, 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 no. Do you, do you think that the, like where, and maybe it's different country to country right now, right? Because Europe is just, you know, it's very unique in that way. Um, but do you feel in terms of tech stack and methodology, when you talk about extracting some of this information from the U.S., are you at, is, is the continent in general at the early stages? Or are they at the, like, the middle adopter stage, late adopter stage in the sense that um, is this still a fairly new thing that if you've set up a quote unquote modern tech stack, uh, you're in the you know 5% of, of companies and you're going to be ahead of the curve mm -hmm. or is, has the whole sort of industry, and I know we're not saying one industry specifically, but just like this tech space in general over there, has it caught up to now half of the companies are actually thinking this way? Like, where are we at on the adopter curve? Mm. Right, right. So um, as I said, I think, I think we are in the, in the middle spectrum. So if, if you had asked me five years ago, uh, where 10% of people were using LinkedIn here in, in Germany, um, I think that 
that has have, um, changed a lot, especially if you look at uh, startups in Germany. Um, nowadays, I think everyone is basically down with that uh, modern tech stack. Um, and the industry itself, so if you look at uh, the agriculture industry in which I'm now, uh, before it was the, uh, let's say, manufacturing industry, furniture, uh, clothing, and so on, um, they're definitely catching up, investing more in, in digital uh, way of working. Um, but I would say that it's still in that medium medium spectrum. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's, that's, that's where we're at. Okay, so you're about you know, halfway through that adoption curve. And and on that same vein, and this is something that I've always been curious about. I mean, I, I know one of the folks you used to work with, David, has gone and worked with a, a, visa, a German VC, and he was talking about tools and technology in the stack and where this is all going. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just leads me to the question of, um, is it country by country or or sort of Europe in general um, is there a certain place that tech companies are looking to for, like, here's where the training should come from. Here's where our methodology should come from. Like, does Europe look to that Silicon Valley uh, very much in the way mm. of saying, here's the, the methodologies we need to catch up to? Or are there, like, regional hubs where if I'm based in Germany, you know, I'm looking for guidance out of companies coming out of Berlin on what the latest thing to work for in the German market is? Sure. So one thing that comes to mind, because uh, you were asking the question about how mature and, you know, where in the curve are we? I think that one thing that's changed a lot is that maybe five years ago, um, there was no alternative. If you look at the um, sales tech, um, tech stack, um, there was no alternative, I would say, to, to the thought leaders of, of the U.S., um, and obviously, in specific, I mean specifically in, in Valley, but now, I mean, those sorts of companies are in Seattle or uh, in Texas or something. So that's changed as well. But I would say what has happened in between is that, of course, you have a couple of copycats. So um, uh, European-based uh, companies that uh, simply copy the sales uh, tech stack. Uh, and, and basically, their USP is, yeah, but we are European. So there's one thing. And there's so much more awareness uh, in the market now that um, people just um, kind of develop their own their own tools. Um, I would say there's very very few tools that I that I've gotten to know, um, and and I do exchange with David a lot on this. Um, we, we we're still in contact about you know kind of building Europe's best uh, growth engine. That's that's our kind of our idea. Um, but I think it's very rare to see a, a tool um, that I wouldn't know from the U.S. So there's always similarities or um, there's always a com- com- competitive uh, product in the U.S. So I don't think that in, in any point are we ahead. But what's happened is that there's a much, much bigger uh, offer um, in the European market of European tools. Um, I'm thinking of Mojo, for example, who, who are competing with Gong. Um, I'm thinking of um, CreaText, who are um, uh, in the email email automation or like email uh, AI um, for prospecting. Um, there's a couple of, of ones that I've gotten to know that you know that may be proud that that in Europe we are we're building these tools, but we're not thought leaders. Uh, we are followers. Um, and so I think one more thing needs to be said is that. Uh, Europeans are, are similar to, to Americans, actually quite quite proud. Not as much, but still quite proud of of buying local. So um, even um, if a tool isn't uh, as good, maybe as 
maybe the American competitor, I think there will still be a tendency to uh, to buy the, the German or the European product uh, rather than the US, um, just because of kind of I can there's still this notion of I can I can rely um, I can rely on a local you know uh, someone who's who's there I can basically call him up or and he'll be there and I'm not sure if I can do that with the US, um, but definitely less pride um, and more looking at uh, efficacy and efficiency. Um, and that, that's why adoption of U.S. tools is so high in Europe, because I think that that trumps trumps it. Um, yeah. Do, do you feel that there's a sense among EMEA nations that uh, like there's a desire for some of these countries to become regional hubs of like sales excellence or like instead of getting your information from cities out of the U.S., you know, why couldn't Paris be like a, a hub of information that, that French companies pull on? Like, is there, uh, I don't want to get political, but in, in recent um, years, right, there's been a huge movement towards nationalism, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm sort sure. of moving that one step further from just, you know, politics and nationalism to also um, sort of technology in general. Is there like any sense that there's like, well, we need the Germans or we need this, the Spanish to have our own sort of, you know, voice out there. Or is there just a general of, hey, whatever the best of breed is, we don't care what country it comes from. We're going to learn it, use it, adapt it and move on. Sure. Um, I mean, that's that's what I was trying to, to answer. I think it's very difficult for me to to give you a, a general answer, but I, I, try, I try to answer that. Um, so... Definitely, um, there is some sort of uh, national uh, nationalism going on. Uh, you know, not only not only in the in, in software, but also if you if you think about what just happened with COVID, with supply chains being uh, extremely under pressure, um, with now the the, the Ukraine uh, crisis, um, there definitely is a sense of hey. Um, you know we're so dependent on these on these nations for uh, for us to function um, that we need to pull back and, and invest much more uh, in our own um, abilities. And I think that that kind of um, thing ha- that that's already happened. You know that thinking has happened. I think three four years ago, very intensively. You have a lot of uh, hubs or pools um, in Europe that that have been created. Um, so in, in southwest of Germany, that is, for example, extremely uh, strong on industry. You know, you have Mercedes, Porsche, and so on. That from there, now they, they invested in this huge um, uh, tech um, tech hub for for software um, to kind of support the, the, the mechanical side of, of the business. But you have Barcelona, Paris, uh, Berlin, London um, that are extremely strong and, and building up these these hubs um, to promote uh, software. And you have a lot, and then that's obviously also driving the growth is uh, European venture capital firms. Um, so they um, have, you know, I, I don't have the, the statistics in front of my eyes, but um, I saw that there's a lot more, let's say, investments um, in, in various uh, phases of, of, of startup companies uh, in, 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 in Europe, European VCs. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, um, that's it from, from that on the side. Um, uh, yeah, one, one, one more thing. Um, I think one core difference um, that we have in Europe is that um, there's individual countries that will feel nationalistic about their own kind of um, businesses or their own using their own products. Um, but there's also the sense of 
European Europe being a, a, a nation, right? So I think that there's an inclination of saying, okay, hey, if, if a software tool comes from Europe, uh, we'd pro probably um, adopt it. It would be more likely for us to adopt it because they're they're down with the cultural nuances. They they probably have European customers with the same uh, kind of um, requirements and, and complexity requirements that the Americans don't get, and that, that was for many years an issue. Yeah? Just an example: we were we wanted to work with Gong a couple of years ago, but they didn't. They, they were specializing in the in the American market and in the language of English. But then when you go to Europe, you need to suddenly uh, speak. Uh, you have to your 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 software has to be able to um, convert uh, four or five or transcribe four or five languages. Um, and that wasn't the case. So definitely, um, that's, I mean, that's changed as well. American companies have, have definitely uh, understood the value of, of spending, <laughs> spending money and spending resources into expanding to Europe. Um, but that's, that's been a, a differentiator as well. Yeah. So as we are like, we're actually getting ready to wind down here. Um, are there specific um, like tools or methodologies that have come out of the U.S. that Europe just has been unwilling to adopt. And let me give you one example of what I mean. And this is what I've heard. I don't. I don't specifically know this, but in the U.S., there's been a huge boom over the last little bit of t companies using things like a Vidyard or a Bomb Bomb to or Drift Video, right, to send videos to prospects. Mm -hmm. um, but then, as I've worked with various German companies, they're saying, whoa, 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 we're, we're not sending any videos. We're not sending any videos. Like, that's <laughs> odd. Like, culturally, that's not going to work here. Um, and there was a real hesitation to take on a, a new piece of software, a new methodology that in the U.S. was kind of the hot new thing. Um, and so, mm. and you can debunk that. You can tell me I'm totally wrong. Maybe video is working well across Europe, <laughs> but just are there things that are just that gut reaction of like, you know, you know what, like we're going to adopt a lot of this stuff coming out of the U.S., but here's a couple of things that we're just not going to touch. Sure. Um, <laughs> I think the, the nature of, well, especially Germans, but I think Europeans is to play safety and bit, be a bit less, less risky. Um, I think Americans also, because of their historic origin or the, 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 the success of the country as such, comes from you know entrepreneurs and people taking huge risks. Um, uh, and I think that in Europe, you know, we're a bit more on the safe side. Um, so that's that's to answer a bit general adoption of or like going new ways. Um, in general, you know, if you look at uh, venture capital investments. Uh, that's, it's taken such a long time for European companies to take such as big, big risks as as uh, do, do European companies, uh, U.S. companies. Sorry about that. Um, so now more focused. So that's more of a general perspective. People in Europe are more uh, uh, risk averse and um, they like security and they, they they trust in what they know rather than in new ways. Um, I think if if done right, this sort of um, um, pattern interrupt. Yeah, you 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 do something, you see something that you you know your, your brain uh, d doesn't know, and so it's you're especially reactive, which you know you see a lot in, in comedy and so on. Um, I think that I mean I, I I personally love that, and I, I totally believe that if you do things differently, people will notice you. But it needs to be done in the in the right way, and. I, I think that Americans often uh, are perceived as cheesy or um, a bit over the top um, in, in, in the eyes of Europeans, um, especially when, when it comes to marketing. Um, and that 
that definitely doesn't work in Europe. So you have to be much more subtle um, and you can't, you, you know, you can't really go over the top. People won't want like that. But in terms of using uh, technology, I think that if technology is used right, it works even better than the US because the adoption is so low here. There's so few companies that would use video because they're saying, no, we just rely on what we know, what, what is safe or secure, which is why if you, if you use it right, it can be much more powerful than in the US just because people are not used to it. All right, Francois, I, I, or Frank the Tank, as we say, I appreciate you hopping on today. Um, we're right at time, but I, I feel that we could, we could keep talking about this for another hour or so because I'm just incredibly interested in some of the nuances between the two markets, or actually many of those different markets, not just two. Um, however, uh, thanks for giving your insight and some of your thoughts on where just the state of technology is, what the adoption curves are, how we think through some of the cultural nuances of, of getting into some of those markets. So, uh, Frank, thanks for coming on. And to the uh, listeners today, uh, appreciate you you tuning in. So, Frank, go ahead and say goodbye, and then we're going to sign off. Sure. Um, yeah, so goodbye. Uh, no, thanks so much for having me on. I, I do, uh, maybe as a last word, I think um, it is important to emphasize that, you know, we just talked about half an hour, and, and I realized um, there is extreme complexity, um, language, um, industries, um, uh, and, and so on, personalities. Um, and so we, we could talk, talk about this for a long time. And I do think this is very complex and very exciting, very exciting uh, topic. So thanks for, for having me on and, and discussing, discussing things that <laughs> concern me on a day-to-day -day basis. All right. Thanks for coming. See ya. See ya. Bye, Jordan. Hot dog. That was a great episode. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about Greaser Consulting or any information you heard on today's episode, visit us online at www.greaserconsulting.com. Be sure to click the follow button and the bell icon to be notified on the latest here at RevOps Therapy. Thanks and see you real soon.